How's it going? Uh, better days, better days. Bitcoin's nice. Bitcoin is looking great. Yeah, it's looking real good. It's breaking out of that that bear. Yep. But could it be a bull trap? Dun, dun, dun. It could most certainly be a bull trap. We were talking earlier. I said if this is the bull trap where it goes, it, it went from what six to it's at eighty two or something. Yep. If it just plummeted down to like four right now, two, you're getting an institutional investors are dead. There's gonna be people <laughs> jumping off bridges. It's gonna be crazy. I'll be one of them. But, <laughs> but that'll be the time to get in. That'll be the time. So yeah, no, I'm definitely. Uh, Definitely looking forward to this bull returning. I think he's he's standing right next to the gate. The clown's getting ready to open up. The rodeo clown's getting ready to unleash the bulls. I think so. Uh, by the way, this is not to be taken as investment advice. No, this no. is strictly just for entertainment purposes. Obviously. Anyway, on this episode of the ICO Alert Roundtable, Q and I brought a special guest on. Our special guest was Mr. Dravko Lobrik. Dravko Lobrik. And he is from a project called Rem Loyalty, which uh, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. They got some big name partners, which I didn't even know about all all of the details of that until we brought them on. Yeah, I mean, loyalty rewards, I didn't see as being like something that the blockchain could completely solve. Uh, but after hearing what he had to say, I'm looking forward to downloading that app, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. So. You know, the, the roundtable is all about kind of talking about news and current events and bringing in different perspectives on ICOs and things like that. So, you know, in this interview, we do talk to him about REM loyalty, but we, we kind of directed the conversation away from that a little bit and talked about more roundtable stuff. So so it, it should be what, what you're used to hearing out there if you're a fan of the ICO alert roundtable, just with a, with a different twist this time. Yep, exactly. Do we have any comments? Last time? Oh, we did have one comment that we want to bring up before we bring oh. on Dravko. Which, which, which is it? It was it was actually on SoundCloud. So we got pretty deep into the episode last oh, week. Oh, no. And you were talking about how no one listens to the episodes this late in the game. Uh-huh. Or I said that. And uh, somebody on SoundCloud actually came through and commented, uh, let me give this person a shout out because they're clearly a very dedicated fan of ours. And as always, you know, if you guys uh, want to drop a comment on YouTube, something you'd like for us to talk about, uh, we're definitely willing to give it a look, as long as it's not like a you know blatant send us ether scam. And uh, send me ether, right? Yes, yeah, send us ether. Um, it's uh, it's Moncarn Gruel from from SoundCloud. So give some context. I think you made me like re-listen to it because it was so funny. But the context is we're deep into the podcast, which was a little bit long. We're uh, apologies for the long podcast. We wanted to get everything we could out of the uh, interns that we brought on. But yeah. uh, the context was something to the effect of we brought up Tinder. Right. Why do you need decentralized dating? Well, you don't because Tinder. Yeah. And then I said, Tinder. and then I said, oh, I hope my girlfriend's not listening to this. And then. And then I, I went on and said, well, we're at like the 50-minute mark. Trust me, no one's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> no one listens this deep into the podcast. But apparently, Mr. or Mrs. Mankarn Gruel, we, big shout out to you. They said, I'm still listening, LOL. So we're going to give you a shout out and let you know that we are appreciative of your comments and support. Yep. Awesome. All right. What do you think? Let's get into this roundtable. Jump right in. Yo, Q. What's up, F? What is the ICO Alert Roundtable? The roundtable is a casual discussion about current events and coins that we're passionate about. What isn't the ICO Alert Roundtable? The ICO Alert Roundtable isn't tax, legal, 
financial, professional, or any other kind of advice. For sake of transparency, members of this week's podcast hold the following coins, Bitcoin, Stellar, and Ethereum. All right, so we now have on the line Dravko Loberic. Uh, hopefully I can say that in Croatian well enough from Rem Loyalty. How are you, Dravko? Really well. How you doing? I'm very well. I know that you're over there in Vancouver, so we appreciate you waking up so early to uh, join us on the ICO Alert Roundtable. Thank you. Thank you. That's a pleasure being here. So uh, what was what was part of the reason that you actually are, are in Vancouver? Are you there because you based the company there or you just happened to be there and started the company there? No, the company's, uh, the company's headquarters, I mean, right now we're an Alberta-based company in, in Canada, but that's moving out to uh, BVI. And interestingly, we've got a subsidiary being set up in the States, which is unusual these days. Mm. That's going to be set up under Bill 269 in Vermont. Uh, we can talk more about that later because uh, we are offering our token in the States as well. But no, I came here uh, originally six years ago with work. Uh, last 17 years, I was a partner with Deloitte in our consulting division. Um, and did analytics and blockchain and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I met my wife here in Canada. So um, as these things happen, I ended up staying a, a bit longer than intended. And uh, four years ago, we moved out to Vancouver for work. Uh, that was before and royalty had started. So just ended up being a choice. Skiing, you know, beaches, good side of the country. So it's, uh, it's just home now. Yeah, Excellent. how's, how's uh, Alberta's climate? That, that must be... Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's great, you know, but it just, I, I always describe to my old Australian colleagues, it's like kind of like living in a chest freezer. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, like it's, it's sunny. It's it's really windy and how there are rains, but boy, we're going to get cold. Yeah, and, um, you know, so it's just adjustment. And, you know, for a guy from the Southern Hemisphere, living in snow introduces oh, you to a lot of life skills you never had before. Um, I love skiing and this stuff. I, I've concluded I don't, I don't like living in it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. Like Vancouver is the, for Canadians, is the south. It's pretty much the best weather yeah. you can get. And for Americans, <laughs> we're, we don't even want to go up there. Yep. <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's between the summer months. So, so we're happy to have yeah. you here. It's good to hear that you've got, you know, some great experience behind you with, you know, working for Deloitte and stuff. One of the things that we always mention for people who are looking into projects that they want to get into is making sure that the team has good, solid work experience behind them, making sure that the founders of the team are willing to actually go out there and, and talk to people like us and be, you know, facing the crowd and put a face behind the name, not just some anonymous group out there. So it's good to hear that you've got that background. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about REM loyalty, what you guys are trying to achieve, and uh, you know, we'll dive into some of those topics. Yeah, no, and thanks for asking. I think look, REM loyalty is a, a loyalty management program, as you can probably tell you know, from the end of it, and blockchain was a good solution for that. When I, when I was working with Deloitte, a lot of the work we did was on analytics, and a lot of my clients were in gaming and casinos and, um, and airlines. Uh, which was good for the travel thing we'll talk about too. But a lot of that was loyalty program management. If you think about it, the people in gaming, particularly now as it's getting more and more prolific, you know, people are earning money from these ventures and uh, casinos are, are masters at marketing and, and ensuring loyalty. And so are airlines. If you think about it, you know, last year, United's uh, loyalty program was worth $14 billion more than its actual airline, which is which is quite amazing but wow. that's you know that's how things have become so i was in the industry and would see a lot of the stats and data but despite the fact that it was growing 
it's about 11 billion now and it's it's growing at a, at a pretty good rate every year the customer satisfaction rates were really low they rarely get past 50 percent. it doesn't matter what report you grab um so it was the usual stuff you know people were attracted to the idea of earning rewards um, and businesses wanted to work with loyalty program you know managers that could get in that but um people had the usual same problems they couldn't transfer points i mean if they could there was usually a cost um, they're expensive to buy you could never really you could never really convert them to cash in any meaningful way. You were sort of stuck within one program and the rules would always change. You know, people sort of would earn these amounts and, you know, it's everyone, you feel like you've earned them. Even, you know, even if you were on someone else's dime, you still felt like they were your points, right? And I have plenty of consulting colleagues who felt that way, but you'd sort of find these rule changes going on every year and they're centralized and controlled. So it was just hard for these programs to get genuinely good satisfaction rates so uh, along with my co-founder Jeremy we, we decided to set about saying well, okay blockchain seems like a really good solution if we can get a loyalty program running on this it should solve a lot of the problems the question really became what protocol to use like which platform was the right one so that was the background um, and and then we had you know the perspective from businesses as well like dealing with loyalty programs what were their problems and we found the same thing. Blockchain was a good solution. So that's how Room Loyalty came about. That was the genesis. And yeah, I can I can tell you more about the uh, the company now if, if that's a good time, yeah? Yeah, sure. So actually one of the questions we had slated to ask you was uh, why you decided to choose the Stellar Protocol. So if you just mentioned that. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? What did you see were the benefits of using Stellar uh, as opposed to some of the other protocols that are out there? So. Well, it, it's not a hard question to answer, right? So let me start with the answer just so people get that as well. It was speed and gas cost, right? I mean, we don't need a touring contract for, for a, a loyalty management program. And, you know, I, I, there are a couple of other loyalty management programs out there I've seen as well that are on ERC 20, and I think it's too complex. I mean, we benchmark the price of our, of our token, which is hard to do sometimes, like for a lot of the people I'm in partnership with and so on, you know, you base the price of your token on mathematics, like what's the volume we need, what's the capital, you know, what's the amount of fundraising we need, therefore what's the price of a token. In our case, we were able to benchmark it too because you can quite easily take a look at the price of other, say, commercial flight miles. Um, and in our white paper, you'll see that we've gone through that exercise. So we came up with, you know, four cents. So here we have, you know, a billion tokens coming out to market at four cents. And for us, like any loyalty program, it's volume and circulation, which is important. Now, if I'm going to have something serving my clients well and fast, and I need it to be efficient, and I don't need massively complex contracts, then we're looking for a solution that had speed and low gas costs. And at the time when we first started, you know, going back maybe a year and a half back, we just first started hearing about Ripple and then, you know, Stellar and the others. And I was looking at all of the speeds. and. You know, as we all know in blockchain as well, we're still trying to get to speeds that, you know, even what I call Internet One, Visa does 24,000 transactions a second, right? I mean, it's so, you know, blockchain isn't necessarily fast, but we just needed it to be as fast as we could. Um, so that's that's how we came to Stellar. And we liked the peer-to-peer -peer clarity. I mean, one of the things that we're all about as well is having a fair, a fair price, you know, for loyalty rewards and so on and you know Stellar also had its inbuilt exchange it's Stellar X along with the conversions and that so 
we just thought it was a really cool one to, to run with. Um, and the, you know, the, the guys on there as well have been really helpful all the way through. They had their own white labeling protocols as well, which is helpful for us for KYC and all that. So they were all the reasons for, for Stella and probably in that explanation, a couple of the reasons why not um, ERC20. It's, it's the volume and speed that we need out of Stella. Right. So, so yeah. how many transactions per second is Stellar getting? Uh, if you're talking about scalability, uh, how many of those uh, transactions can go through per second? Yeah. Well, so you know, we've asked our guys as well. It's you know, it's in the milliseconds. So you know, in the mm. I, I've seen various studies, and it, it depends. But you know, as long as we're in the milliseconds, we're happy with that. Um, and there's a variety I could cite. I've seen you know some that. You know, some that are looking in the tens of thousands and, you know, some will argue that they quite haven't seen that yet and all the rest. But, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable with the choice that we've made. Like anyone, you know, when we go out and we start, we're going to keep a close eye on our exchange um, and how fast things are working for our clients and so on. And, you know, we'll, we'll respond accordingly. But, yeah, I think, I think it's looking pretty decent. Yeah, I'm glad you you guys are giving that a, a fair shake. I'm glad you're thinking about that before the token sale, after the token sale, uh, because a lot of these projects that are building on Ethereum, they're going to need, like you said, a, a ton of transactions per second to have any uh, sort of usability in, in mass adoption. And yeah. I don't think I think what they're doing is they're pushing it out. They're saying, oh, by 2019, we'll be able to, you know, hypothetically have more transactions per second on Ethereum. But I, I, I'm not too sure that sharding and, and all the things that they're talking about is going to come to pass as quickly as they think it is. So it's awesome that you guys are thinking about that ahead of time instead of saying, hey, let's just build on Ethereum because everyone else is doing it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because we just listed on, um, I can't, I do them a disservice. It's one of the ICO listings in, in Tokyo and they've got 300,000 followers. And I was looking through all the projects. We're the only one that isn't the RC20. Wow. wow, that's a lot. So, yeah, I know. So you worry. I mean, you worry also as the business owner. You know, you think, oh, heck, you know, is that bad for marketing? Because naturally, you know, you want to go with that because everyone knows it. But we were at the Tokyo cryptocurrency event recently, and the Stellar was getting quite a lot of attention. Everyone was interested. And everyone knew about it. And I think recently, when IBM launched its, um, yeah. I think it's Verde or whatever. That you know, once you got companies like that going on it, I think that's good for for everyone. We. You know, we're trying to team with other crypto companies too because we're a loyalty program. And so naturally, we, we take a look at a few that are built on uh, Stellar because it's relatively easier. But th there's a fair few coming out every month, and that's good to see. Yeah, there's been a, a lot of good news about Stellar lately. So maybe uh, it's good timing for you to be doing some, some promotional stuff for the REM loyalty brand itself because there was the, the IBM news and then the potential to be listed on Coinbase also mm. came out. And then... Yeah. Um, yeah. there was a, it was turned out that Stellar was the only coin, the only cryptocurrency that's Sharia law compliant, which came out yep. by whoever, you know, is in charge of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's all interesting, good news. It's, it's interesting stuff. Um, so I guess, yeah. uh, you know, one of the as things we, we have, as long as we have, as long as we have Bitcoin keeps going up in value as well, then everything's good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Today was a good morning. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been on a little bull run lately. So that's, that's awesome for everyone. <laughs> right. So I wanted to ask you maybe more about, uh, REM loyalty as far as like what the user experience would be. So could you walk me through, um, you know, what's, what's a person who maybe travels around the world or travels around the US, maybe they're a business person, they fly a lot, they stay in a lot of hotels. How can they use it? What's the interface gonna be? And then who are you guys partnered with uh, 
that they can sort of interact with to to earn points and um, you know collect points together. Okay, yeah, no, that's good, um, and that's something we're proud of. But and I think there's two channels. The first channel is the one you're asking about. So what's the what's the user experience for a consumer who, who's got a reward point and how do they earn them? And then the second channel we might come to later is from a business perspective. You know, what's it like for them to partner with us and and, and so on? But yeah, firstly and most importantly, what's it like? So. Um, we were originally going to go out in February, but as I said before, philosophically, we wanted to always do what's become coined now as a reverse ICO. We wanted to be an established business first with partnerships and utility in place. So on day one, which for us is September 4, um, and by the way, we call our ICO a loyalty token offering or an LTO. We've, we've done that just to distinguish ourselves a little bit and say, hey, you've got utility from day one. You buy your token, get your app, um, and you can start using them on the same day. And that's what our team right now is spending a lot of time on is that experience and the beta testing. So what are they? Well, there's a few things. We also wanted to make sure that people who could earn rewards with us and use them were having slightly different lifestyle type experiences. So the first one is is travel. So we've partnered with a few companies and they're all on the website. Um, and so Pindit is a, an online travel agency. Think Expedia, bookings.com, hotels.com. Pindit is one of those companies that basically gets you access to every airline and every hotel. So you're not limited in any stock. And if you're booking any um, airline, you have the advantage of double dipping, which, you know, all, all rewards points junkies love it. So you can still book your flight and get whatever frequent flight point you like. Um, but the point is by booking through us and paying with crypto, in this case, our altcoin, the REM, um, you're also earning rewards with us and earning REM in that transaction. So we've benchmarked it where, where our uh, earn rate is seven times Expedia and it's twice Orbitz, which is currently the leading OTA in the market, plus you still get your frequent flyer points. So that's a good deal. And that's, that's not because we're geniuses. It's just when you put a loyalty program on blockchain, it's more efficient and it's, it's smarter and it has a lot of other attributes which keep people happy. Um, you know, it, it, it's quite different. And I, I know I'll digress for a sec, but the loyalty industry is based on a principle of 80% breakage. Like the way most loyalty programs make their money is by employing really expensive sales reps, and then they they kind of want your points to expire because it takes right. it off their liability the balance sheet. Um, and once you've created a you know once you've created a, a a token, well they don't expire. You know you'll expire before your token does. <laughs> so you know. That, that, at the end of the day, we have to be efficient, right? And so the way we run the business is obviously it's going to go for volume, um, but it's efficient. You know, we, we, we're marketing to our crypto community, you know, the 50 million people out there that have got cryptocurrency and businesses that want access to that. So anyway, we're, so the first one is travel. And then on the hotel side, um, it's pretty much a slightly better deal than you know, bookings.com or hotels.com. One in every 10 nights will be free. There's no preconditions or qualifying periods. So that one's pretty straightforward. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are and you're not locked into any deal. And, you know, I, I wrote a blog about four weeks ago on on our site, which is about airlines. It's called the love-hate relationship because, you know, I, everyone plays the points games on airlines and it's the same old problem. Like you get your points and then can I actually book a flight with it, depending on your status, you know, someone else has got points i need to get my niece over for this or that and i can't combine them and all of that stuff well the beauty of this product is the rem's got a, a face value right it's tradable so you can just take a look at the actual price of any flight 
figure out your end conversion and you can make a logical decision on every day instead of being locked into one program. And you can still get your points off that program in the background as well. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for business people or consumers. And everyone likes travel, right? So I think that's a really good option to start with. The second experience um, which you can earn and, and, and also redeem is rent. So this is, this is probably the one, it's not as sexy as airlines and travel because it's rent, right? But this is fascinating. So think about this. If you combined airline spending or travel, gas or petrol, depending on where people are in the world listening to this, retail and groceries, they're the four most popular loyalty programs, right? Those, those four categories. If you combined all four of them, and once you've done that, if you multiplied by 3.5, that's how much is spent on rent every month. Now, that's straight from US spend statistics, but it will generally apply to any sort of you know, first world economy. I mean, you think about it, anyone on the phone right now in San Fran or DC or Hawaii or anything like that knows full well that they're probably paying two and a half thousand a month in rent. They're saying, yes, of course, of course I spent. So one of the things we were looking for was what's that really big game changer where we can just earn, you know, for our clients, a volume of rewards that isn't duplicated anywhere and so that's when we found rental miles and rental miles rewards rent and so you know at last someone's saying okay well let's just find a category and then i think what they're trying to do is what amazon did to retail they're trying to do to to rent and they're just saying to people okay well if you pay your rent on time if you get a good condition report and if you release within the group we'll reward you and they pay out an average, so with us, they pay out an average of eight to 900 US dollars per annum per apartment in rewards. And that REM goes to the renter. And, and here's the best part of all. If, I mean, if you're a renter and you're in a rental miles property, you're not spending an extra cent. That, that business has made a decision to chase 2% of the North American rental market. That's 250,000 properties under management. And that's their model, right? Hmm. So. They're spending money with us, REM Loyalty, which is fantastic. They're giving it to renters, which is great. And, and the renter, I mean, so you can have access to the biggest reward category that currently doesn't even exist. Yeah. Um, and you're not spending any extra money. So, I mean, it's hard to not get excited. And then they've also got an incentive for people to hold certain amounts of REM for a while and they make the damage deposit go away. So that's a good category. And then... The last one we've partnered with, um, well, actually, we added one yesterday. StubHub's just joined our family yesterday. We just put that in one nice. announcement. Yep. So now you've got entertainment and concerts and all that stuff. But uh, Uber is our last partner. So Uber's fully integrated as well. Um, and what we found is, you know, when you're talking about, you know, renters and, you know, big cities and stuff and people who like to travel, well, one of the other trends is people aren't buying cars so much anymore and ride sharing's a a big one. So about three months ago, we finalized our partnership with them and that's all fully integrated. So the UX for a consumer, on day one, you download the app. Once you've identified yourself and that's a once off, you can just start redeeming and earning through all these partners. Um, and you just click over how many REM you want to convert and you do it right there. You can book your hotels and travel and everything right within the app. It's all there. So it's pretty easy, I think. And you know, when we go out and do our LTO, raise more funds, what we're using those funds primarily for is to what we call rescuing rewards. So we've got a little animated video on our website on this, but rescuing rewards to me is 
that one where we can combine points from lots of programs. And a lot of people have asked me, well, how do you do that? And it's pretty simple. From the time I spent working on loyalty programs, every loyalty program has a category of uh, rewards earners that we call um, clingers. They're, they're sort of, they've got enough points that, you know, the evil loyalty industry can't get rid of them. You know, like they can't push them out of the program um, because they stay just active enough to, to hang in there. And they see value in all of these points. But are they really useful? No, they've probably got four or five little buckets of points that aren't quite enough to do anything meaningful with. So what we're trying to do is um, make offers to those loyalty programs, special offers, um, to take those rewards participants out of the program and enable them with good offers on the rent to combine them into a more useful amount, come back into the program with a larger amount and then do something good with it. So again, we're setting up these bilateral arrangements and we've already had a discussions, had discussions with a, a few of those um, and the math makes sense to them and so on. So that's, that's the whole UX. We start on day one with uh, travel, rent, StubHub, Uber, um, and working our way towards combining all those other programs. So that's the, that's the consumer side. That's what I call channel one, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually having trouble uh, figuring out which one I'm most excited for, to be honest, uh, <laughs> programs in which field. I, I had no idea that loyalty programs uh, in rent in real estate uh, would actually uh, are actually a thing. So uh, it, well, it, it I is, was now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is now. But it's actually, I mean, you know, rent, rent. My first job in 1987, my first job was as a stockbroker and when I was a broker back then, I used to get 1% of every trade, which is mm -hmm. nuts. I mean, imagine someone ringing up and buying, you know, $400,000 worth of stock and, you know, you get four grand. I mean, mm -hmm. no one, that, that makes no sense. But it was like that. And slowly but surely, the world asset management, everything changed and we moved away from taking a percentage of anything. The last industry that still has it is real estate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any real estate broker or licensed person on the phone will admit, you know, it, it's pretty good for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, for most people in the world, the biggest asset they'll ever have is their house and they've got to part with two or three percent of it every time they sell it. That, that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And then even in the rental industry, it's full of brokers and middlemen and so on. And so you just needed to find a business that was willing to, to bust that model a bit and challenge it. And then you can take all that fat out and give it to the people who are actually paying for it, which is the renters. And I, I love it because, you know, and the landlords can see it too, right? I totally get this model. I mean, if you're a, a landlord, yeah, sure, they have to pay some money to rental miles to look after their property. But if you think about it, the landlord's seeing that that company is rewarding people who pay on time, keep the place clean and, and release early. Well, that's that's good for them, right? They, their house gets looked after better and they have lower vacancy periods. So, mm. you know, that... It just makes sense for both parts. Like, right. It's about time as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys have a, an interesting, not only some innovative ideas, but you've got a really impressive Rolodex of partners there. So that's that's awesome to hear. Um, I, guess, I guess I just have sort of one more question then on the, the user UX side of things. So if these people are, they've downloaded the app, um, they're mm -hmm. traveling or they're, they're renting hotels or whatever, are they able to pay in cash and then they receive REM loyalty back as their reward or do they have to convert first into REM loyalty tokens and then pay through the, yep. the REM loyalty platform? Yeah, we pay through, it's through REM. 
So okay. what you'll do, though, just to maintain transparency, users can see the prices of flights in five different currencies. So, you know, your usual big ones. And then you can just do a good comparison to the normal values. And then for transparency, you can see what that converts to into the into the RAM. So, but right. no, I mean, we, we want to, you know, use our own, now, will our you, own product. And, will you have some sort of uh, cash, like fiat to REM conversion built into the app? Yep. Well, we've got that as well because of the Stellar X exchange. We're on that. That's a peer-to-peer exchange from day one. We had a we put out on our on our site as well all of the currencies. There's 26, I think, currently available. If it's not 26, it's 25, and all of your majors are there, and quite a lot of Asian currencies as well, which is important to us. I mean, as of today, we've got two permanent staff in Japan, and we have two permanent staff in Seoul. Mm. So that's Marty and Kyoko in in Tokyo, and Spencer and Jessica in Seoul, um, and they're big markets for us. So there's a variety of currencies there, and it's all peer-to-peer. Wow. Excellent. So, so Dravko, I'm, I'm uh, trying to download your app. Where would, where would <laughs> I go to actually, as a user, uh, start to become a REM loyalty user? Yeah, you will be able to download the app. It's due in mid-August, so it's two weeks away. As awesome. When I said it before, we're going through our UX and beta testing right now. Gotcha. So nice. originally, we were going to release in, oh, I think it was June 26th. And so the reason we pushed out the date was because we've always said day one, you have to be able to do everything. We don't want a yeah. gap between the purchase and the, and the use. So Google Play and Apple Play, it'll all be there. And it's it's due, I think it's the 18th of August. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to that date. So um, what, what was the exact date again, just for people listening? 18 August is the date. August 18th. We, yeah, we, we're keeping everyone up to date on Telegram nice. and all the usual. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm sure our audience will look forward to, to looking for that. Was that going to be available both on Google Play and iOS? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very nice. So I guess changing gears a little bit here just to make it more roundtable-esque, mm. you know, we wanted to talk to you uh, sort of more about your predictions like of the overall market. Mm. You know, Zach and I like to, to talk a lot about how we think crypto is going on a bull run or we're feeling the despair of the bear market. And as of this recording on Tuesday... Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see Bitcoin climb up a little bit and we're seeing the market kind of turn around. Um, mm. Maybe not alt so much as just, you know, Bitcoin. Obviously, Stellar's had some some green days. So what are your thoughts uh, overall on the market and what do you see happening in the market overall uh, as we push forward into the third quarter and, and the end of the year for 2018? Yeah, so a little crystal ball gazing and, and, and what's going on. I mean, like anyone, you feel more positive when, you know, when you see some good news and, and and all the rest. But I think I think there's a couple of trends that, that are going on. I mean, we've all seen the data now with, with ICOs and who's funding them in the States and there's more private and less availability for, you know, your average your average person involved. So I think that's a disturbing trend to me. I, you know, the whole reason that we're doing raising this way as well was to allow the community to get involved and back our projects and we all feel like we're part of the community right that was important so i don't particularly like that trend and then so the question is well how do you how do you reverse that i think we've seen a lot of cease and desist orders that have come out in various states you know across the last three months and being registered in canada that was a joint project the us sec and the canadian regulators you know undertook so you know i'm one of those projects that was unscathed and you know continues life and i think to myself why i think part of the reason is we're getting better at the way we're promoting what we do and we're getting more cautious like you know a lot of the people who use the word 
or term investor quite flippantly. We're a utility token, so you know technically you can't invest in us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the trends is to make sure that we're a little more professional in the way that we use terminology and making sure that people are aware of the risks that they take. I was I was at a um, conference in Bristol about five weeks ago, and I was kind of the old guy in the room, and I was going on and on about reverse ICOs. And Bristol's a really cool town. The reason I say I was the old guy in the room was, I mean, there's a couple of universities there near Bristol, and I hadn't been there before, but the town is so full of energy and has such a good vibe about it in this historic setting. It's just awesome. But, um, you know, there's about 20 of us had done our presenting on stage, and I had the question asked of me, why are you so fixated on reverse ICOs? And I said, well, you know, the traditional way of moving forward is you price a token, you go out to market, you, you raise the money, and then sometime after that, you create a, a business, right? And it's not it's not the headline, right? It's, I mean, I know occasionally there's one or two bad actors out there, but the thing that goes wrong is usually beyond our control. It, you know, your, your partner might go through a divorce, or your tech might not do quite what you wanted it to, or your bank might freeze your funds because they just suddenly changed their policy um, about how they feel about crypto, or... You know, you might find that you've got a hundred competitors that you never even heard of, and blockchains like that, right? I mean, <laughs> the more you look, the more of us there are. So, you know, for a lot of good reasons, the business just doesn't work out, and it's not—it's not you. It's just it's out of your sphere of influence. So, I think increasingly, um, and part of me hopes that increasingly, people are looking for exciting opportunities, but are less risky, and and have more of a business to them, whether you call them a reverse ICO or not, but have a bit more of a business to them and fungible, actual usable elements to it from from day one or real close to that, as opposed to waiting. Because, you know, we this, you know, when we go right back to how everything was developed and, and you know, irrefutable transactions, so we, you know, we use this term trustless, right? Well, the ultimate irony is, you know, you, you sort of you meant to part with money and give it to someone you've never met before on the other side of the planet, so that you can end up in a trustless state. But you know, the irony is that first part, yeah, <laughs> that first yeah. part has a lot of trust in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not lost on me. So I'm thinking, one of the trends overall, long-winded answer. One of the trends overall is to is the de-risking, the improved professionalism of the way we present, and the closer we're getting towards you know, working with regulators and the community just to protect consumer rights. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so fixated on what the SEC says. Well, we're, we're launching our utility token in the States. And yeah. good luck to me as the sole director and everything else. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, and when we are, and, well, you know, you know, we giggle, right? And my wife asked me about this every now and again. And we are chasing a no-action letter from the SEC, and we reckon we might get it. I mean, who knows? But yeah. irrespective, we're launching ahead. Because I'm saying, hey, look, don't don't kill us. Just because we made a rewards program that's got better attributes than another one and it's built on better tech, why, why, would, you, why would you throw someone in the slammer for that? I think, I think what we need to be focusing on is what's good for consumers. Like, what, what is just actually good for your client? And if you can honestly say, this is a good product for my client and it's a fair product for my client, you'll find that all that other stuff that the SEC tries to police and everything is actually taken care of by answering that question honestly. Yeah. But and and I, would, I, I would hope that they were very sincere uh, in that 
in that uh, want to, to protect the uh, consumer. But part of me almost feels like, and this is a conspiracy theory part of me, that uh, <laughs> people that, are, just like the taxi service, when Uber first came around, they did everything in their power. Even though it was a better user experience, the taxi service did everything in their power to make sure, and it still goes on today, uh, that, to make sure Uber doesn't gain power in certain large cities. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Okay, so either trend, look, I think, there are ups and downs in any market, right? And like I said at the start, I used to, <laughs> I used to have a hat in the ring in trading and so on. But I think, you know, we did account the other day because we were in discussions with a few non-crypto um, clients for, for the business-to-business -business experience. And there's some good brand names. And they're saying, look, how many people hold cryptocurrency at the moment? And I couldn't find any one really good study that did it. There was a few that had been, you know, that had been undertaken. And our best conclusion so this is our own loyalty conclusion. We combined a few and we, we sort of came up with the conclusion that there are probably 50 million holders of cryptocurrency globally right now and 10 million of them are active, about one-fifth. Active meaning that they sort of hop in and out of an exchange every week or use it for something. Mm. Uh, and that was an amalgam. In, it's in one of our blogs. But, um, you know, so where am I going at with that? Well, 50 million is a pretty small number. And although there are more... Uh, cryptocurrencies coming on the market and so on. I think the rate of adoption is all heading in the right direction. I think more and more people are being more professional about the mainstream and the altcoins. And I also think that as more companies, of which REM loyalty plays one small part, as more companies are accepting alts and cryptos as payment for mainstream goods and services, and as more companies in mainstream non-crypto want access to that market, which is growing, um, they're gonna they're gonna form really good bet partners, and unfortunately, you can't. You know, American Airlines CEO is, is Doug. I forget his name right now. Was was a classic. He's saying, "Hey, I want the American Airlines reward point to be just like Bitcoin." Well, well, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't. You might you might want that, and we all know why you want it. But on every level, that's such an abhorrent statement. That you just <laughs> everything you do is philosophically and diametrically opposed to our community. So, I, I, I think that we have a growing valid market, mm -hmm. and we have a curious uh, market that's not in it that wants access to it, and our professionalism is growing. And yeah. so, I, I, I see a good long-term upward price trend, um, and that's how I see things. So, I'm playing the long-term game. Yeah, I like I like your uh, emphasis on professionalism and the increase in professionalism, the amount of ICOs, because it's kind of a joke in the office uh, that early 2017, maybe even late 2017, uh, we were continuously getting ICOs that submitted to us uh, that basically were they had every uh, buzzword imaginable in their title. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a decentralized. AI, AI marketplace, trustless. It was, the world's first. Exactly. And and I think as we as we become more professional, we see less and less of that and more legitimate projects that aren't just slapping blockchain on their name to, you know, say to raise funds and, and their business is gone in six months. Well it's my favorite question is like when people are on stage and I say, um, you know, they go through the whole presentation and I say, Okay, but but why did you use blockchain? <laughs> <laughs> what, right. what, what part of that? And I, I, unfortunately, I had one one fellow it was only about five or six weeks ago, and it, I don't think he was the, the head honcho, but I mean, it was unfortunate. He said, "Oh, we needed the speed the blockchain offers," and I went, "Oh, oh no, 
Mm, he must not be transacting with Bitcoin too much then. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, I mean, it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of that. There's a lot of hype, and and the countries vary too. We find that, um, you know, the standards different. People's excitement levels and the sort of questions they ask vary quite a lot, depending on whether you're in Japan or Korea or the states or the the UK and. Um, it's a very different feel as you get around in, in all of those too. So that's interesting as well. So what country has been the most that, that you've gone to uh, or what region, I guess, has been most accepting of the ICOs and the, the uh, and just cryptocurrency in general from your experience? <laughs> I always say to my team, like, where, I have this analogy, where can you skip gaily down the street? <laughs> Not worried about anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so those markets are the are the UK and Japan. Gotcha. Right? So that that's my take on it. Why? Well, I think the UK has been so distracted by Brexit, um, mm. and necessarily so that they haven't had a lot of time to, you know, really focus on this so much. And although their banks are as hard to get into as the US, um, and they sort of they don't want anything to do with you if you mention crypto. Um, or blockchain, they just run in fear. Um, a lot of a lot of actually setting up there and in and around there, like in the UK, the Isle of Man and, and all of those areas are quite well-established regulatory jurisdictions. And the conferences are really well attended. And we find even without marketing a lot into Greater London, say we get a lot of inquiries and a lot of good companies. We've also partnered with some really good companies there. So Cryptarium has their head office there and they're a really good partner of ours. We have an official project underway with, with Cryptarium, um, which we can talk about if you're interested. And Open Open Bricks, so Shahad, who leads that, he's another UK-based um, crypto company. They're, they're going to help our client rental miles accelerate into, into London so the rental thing can start there faster. So the UK has been really good. Um, Japan, again, um, in typical Japanese style, you know, most conferences you go to, they say, hey, we'll have 30,000 people and, you know, you go there and you present and 3,000 people showed up. You know, Japan Japan is a classic. You know, they said, we will get 10,000 people at this conference and by the end of day two, 10,083 people had showed up. <laughs> right? yeah. And they're all very, you know, but really good. I mean, they were, they were in this, obviously, given the genesis of where we came from. They've been in this a long time. They still hold twice as much Bitcoin as the States. Um, not not in population number, but just Bitcoin, right? And and they're an incredibly important part. And unlike Korea, you know, where the executive order bans it at, at the ground level, it's not because there's no regulations in place. So you still you still survive there. But you know, in Japan, it's you know they they regulate the exchanges. They've had a couple of problems, but they don't overreact. You can freely talk about your ICO, and they have very well organised crypto clubs, and um, and that's why we, you know, put the decision in to get some full-time staff in there. Um, I'll be back there again shortly. Um, it, it's it's just a really good, a really good feel. Um, but of course, localization is super important there. Um, but but you know, it's been open arms. We had a really good discussion with Sony um, because they're talking about a loyalty alignment with their games platforms for their subscription X, you know, so subscription PlayStation. That was a Freudian slip. Um, so yeah, it's 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 good. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, well, you know, you've got to be super careful in China, um, at a certain level in, in Korea, and you know, we we've danced around all the issues in the states, of course. But oh, I yeah. think we're all we're, <laughs> we're still dancing. So, we're still dancing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. 
that's my take on that's my take on the planet. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Those, those are awesome takes. We always like to hear uh, takes from guys that have actually been on the ground in those regions and seen the day to day of you know the growth of crypto and, and ICOs. Yeah, and it yeah. sounds like you've been been through the through the ringer. So it's a, it's <laughs> it's good for our listeners out there to hear things from your perspective. And like I said, kind of at the beginning, you know we. We like projects uh, where the owner of the project isn't afraid to go out there and show his face. And uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're taking a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. So we appreciate that. Yep. And, you know, mm-hmm. if there's anything else you want to plug away at, uh, feel free. And uh, if not, then we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Well, could I just one just very quickly? We, we left out channel two, which is what's the business experience? Um, and because we're a loyalty program, we sort of live and die by our partners, you know, like the Ubers of the world and so on. So if I can just very quickly. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. You know, there's, there's four ways we do business. We've got our plug and plays and APIs are ready, but we really do want to cinch for businesses to be able to just work with us. So we can replace your native loyalty program with an API. That's pretty easy. Usually we hook into your CRM um, and agree the conversion table, however many points you want to give away in tiers and all of that. So that's 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 pretty easy. We can also do what we call a one-way street. So um, you know, at the end of the day, if you just want access to the market and you're you're a good brand, we can do that instead of two ways. We can do it one way and just introduce you to our market of clients who might want to redeem with you. Um, the the third way is the one I call. I think it's really cool and it's our QR code solution. So. QR codes are used a bit in North America and a lot in Asia, hey, but the thing I like about this and when we can really use the, the strength we've got in blockchain is, you know, when everything is time-stamped, um, that, that's a really nice little attribute. So we're working with one guy, um, one's a vineyard, a winemaker, and the other one's a beef producer um, out of Texas who supplies Whole Foods, and you'll see their logo on our site. It's um, Clean Fork Ledger, which I think is really... <laughs> Cool name for beef, clean for pleasure. But anyway, um, what that does is it, it provides a source of interaction between the producer and the and the end user, which they don't normally have. So, like if you make wine, you don't know who buys your wine where because you're normally dealing with the distributor. But by using the QR code solution, so all we can do is use a little peel and reveal decal or a printed on the inside of the cap. Um, once people consume the product, they can scan that. They get their rewards points directly from you. They might have still got them from the retailer or the credit card or whatever they used on the way out of the shop. So that's great. Then they double dip on that too. But the point is, this now enables a producer to have a strict and good point of interaction with the mm-hmm. end user. And they can they can even run a lottery. Like the vineyard we're talking to is saying one in every 10,000th person will get a free trip to Australia and a tour of their vineyard, right? And I think the thought of having brand reinforcement and a direct point of contact or the end user knowing, hey, when was that cut of beef cut? When when and where was that? Where did that come from? It gives you a limited form of supply chain assurance, but it also allows a point of interaction that didn't exist before. And I like it because, you know, if you're a producer, you're not going to, and you can't produce, you can't have a CRM. You don't have a list of all of your end users. And mm. now we're giving them that. And right. it to do much to do that right it's it's really easy so i like that and then you know the last way of course is you know like with you know criterium and other people as well you know the the thought there is we just do a a token swap you know they you know they're a fintech and 
you know, they're, they're trying to disrupt the whole payments industry. And well, when you're doing that, you want to team up with a, a loyalty program because it just makes sense. You know, if you're doing payments, people, you know, convert money when they're traveling. So team up with someone who offers travel. And then on on their end, they've got a beautiful, you know, touch, you know, pay and tap and pay system, which is good for us because then you can just redeem your room in any outlet that's got a, a pay wave symbol. And all of a sudden then your reward points are, you know, accessible to, you know, 40 million stores or whatever it is. So I think I like working with the crypto community and we've named a few businesses that are in it. And I just think that you know, the more we think about how we promote volume and how we reward our clients makes a lot more sense to me. We take it from ideation and good tech to actual what's the business now and how do we reward people. So that was a bit of a shameless plug, but um, I think that <laughs> No, the- that's totally fine. <laughs> well, I actually I think, think, the, I think the tech behind it's pretty cool. Uh, going back yeah, to like the QR codes. So that would actually yeah. be a way, because I know a lot of the most popular loyalty programs out there now are gas perks via the the grocery store um maybe maybe that's just in pittsburgh but i know there's some up in canada that do that as well where uh you know we all know you go to the grocery store and depending on how much you buy you get it back in fuel perks or however it works um even potentially free items but that's actually cutting off the you know the actual suppliers of the products from the consumer right there's that middleman there so what you're saying is you would actually be able to work with the you know whoever the butcher is or the winery or I'm sorry, the the um, yeah. the beef farmer, yeah, and then have yeah. them put a QR code on their product before they ship it mm-hmm. to the the grocery store. And then once a consumer buys that product, they scan the QR code, and now um, there's some sort of back end pro- program where now the the winery has direct access to that consumer. Is that is that a fair assessment of what you said? Yeah, that's a good summary. The the sticker, no, the decal gets applied at different places. It either gets printed or applied, you know, at the point of sale. But yeah, you're right, and it's simple because they they use the same app as everyone else. The business they've just got their corporate, if you like, store of rem on their on their app. And when it gets down to a certain level, so every time someone redeems, um, you know, the token comes out of theirs and goes into the consumers um, or the end users. And the beauty of that product is, like, I've been a retailer who's aligned with loyalty programs and i can tell you right now if i buy loyalty points so i can treat my clients you usually enter into a three or four year contract you have to you have to have a minimum buy and that's okay if it all works out if your campaign works out but if it doesn't you end up stuck with all of these points which by the way every contract says you cannot use personally you're stuck with all these points and they're not going to buy them back they never do so what, what do you do with them all? Well, the best thing you can do with them is just give them away in bonuses to your clients, but that's mm-hmm. kind of a little bit wasteful. The advantage with, again, building on blockchain is, you think about it, if you loaded up your, your app as a business and you had you know, 20,000 REM on there and 12,000 get consumed um, and, that, and then it starts to peter out, well, then with your last 8,000, just go sell them on the exchange and convert it back to fiat. Right. Or, or book yourself a flight or whatever. I mean, it actually has this attribute of converting from an expense into an asset on your balance sheet, and then you can do whatever you want with it. So the business has the advantage of precision spend with its client, as well as the touch point. And and that's the other user experience from a business that you can't get with a traditional loyalty program. And I like that because, you know, you don't have to buy a whole heap of them. You can just buy them as you need them right. from us. 
exchange you, or whatever. And you it might just honestly makes have a whole segment of users who are just, they don't even redeem their REM for any travel or rent expense. They just flip it into Bitcoin. They're just Bitcoin enthusiasts or they love crypto and they, they're just users on your platform who just want to acquire more crypto. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's up to people what they, yeah, of course, you know, so whatever, whatever they choose to do with it. I mean, eventually that token is going to find its way back to us and will be redeemed for something. But yeah, wow. absolutely. This right. seems like a big lie that's slept under the, or swept under the rug that these businesses, that, that there's this much breakage that people are, you know, not being able to redeem any of the points that the, you know, companies are advertising that, that they're you <laughs> right. know, giving the users like you, you said something what were the what was the percentage i mean that's insane it's it's, it, it's as high as 80 so i'll tell you why and thanks for asking that this i the mo i was really scared about writing one of my blogs because I, I thought it would be the most boring blog in the whole world and it's called um if for us 15 why is no one talking about this yeah. <laughs> if for us 15 is short for international financial reporting standard 15 so the 1st of January this year, it became mandatory for every loyalty program to whatever part of their, whatever part of their dollar is associated with a redeemable reward has to be deferred uh, and put onto their liabilities. And I'm not going to take up all day explaining this, but I mean, it really hurts some businesses. Businesses with a really small bottom line, like airlines, it really hurts them. So what they want to do is they want these to expire um, as quickly as they can if you're not using them so the CFO can improve their balance sheet. And there's a couple mm -hmm. of case studies in our white paper on on how profitable this is for them to do. Um, but yeah, at 50 to 80% is not uncommon. And, you know, we, we cited a study just in our last blog, it's called Airlines Love-Hate Relationship. So the average devaluation of loyalty points year on year in the US in the last 12 months, we took a basket of all of them um, Delta did quite well, but the others were sort of average. But the average devaluation was 16.4% in 12 months. And you think, well, wow. I mean, imagine that's one sixth. I, you know, I've got some loyalty points tucked away because I'm trying to fly all over the planet now and speak to people and, you know, just use use these things. My program becomes live. But you, you think, well, I don't want to have something that I thought was worth X. And then 12 months later, it's worth 0.84X. It's not right. Mm -hmm. um, and so by lowering the by lowering the value or by shortening the 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 you know the period you've got where you can stay active and have the points they're the games that are played to promote breakage um and and you know and and get on with their programs and they've got a big incentive to do it like i said you know it's happening now in canada with aeroplan aeroplan used to have air canada and they lost air canada a year and a half ago uh, why well air canada looked at the market capitalization of american airlines and united and thought hey <laughs> their loyalty programs are worth more than their airline and we've outsourced this <laughs> why don't why don't why don't we take it back <laughs> right? yeah. so and that's so that they've worked out that if they can play this loyalty program game they can build a company that's worth more than their airline and and what we're saying is well hang on there's a couple of things wrong with that so let's just try to do it a different way wow yeah that's yeah. correct. That's it. That's excellent. So I think that's that's it then for us, Dravco. If you again, yeah. uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. We love getting the perspective from from people in in the thick of things in the uh, trenches. So you know, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, once again, the program is called Rem Loyalty. Uh, if you want to go ahead and say what's what's uh, your social media plugs or your 
um, URL for people to go and find the project. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, thanks. It's it's REM loyalty. So that's R E M for Mary loyalty. You know, and everything's on there, and it's in a few languages. But if anyone listening to this wants to shoot me an email or ask a question, just do. It's really easy. So I'm Z or Z, just the letter Z. If you're in the states, at remloyalty.com. Um, just yeah, drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you and get your comments. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, this was this has been a great conversation, man. I learned a lot about uh, loyalty rewards, and I'm definitely gonna download that application in, in mid-August for sure. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks, guys. It's been really good speaking with you. Excellent. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com.